Amen. Can you give God a shout of praise real quick before you sit down? I think you can do just a little bit better than that. Can you give God a shout of praise? He is a good God. Are you glad to be in church this evening? Let's try that again. Are you glad to be in church this evening? God is good. Do you know that God is for you? He is not against you. God is for you, and he loves you more than you will ever know. He really does love you. You know, I say that, but that we always come back with this thing of, then why do bad things happen? Sometimes they just happen, but that does not lift the favor or love that God has for us on our lives. You can be and have the favor of God and go through what some of our heroes of the faith went through and the favor that was on them, and no one could take it off of them. Favor stayed on them even though they went through what they went through. And the bottom line is this. You've got to guard your thoughts and where you allow them to go and not allow the enemy to creep into your thinking and tell you that God is not good. Because, church, I declare in here tonight that he is a good, good father and he is a good God. And, I, and if you believe that he is a good God, I dare somebody to stand to your feet in here and give him praise, give him shout, and say, God, you are good, and I declare it. Amen. Brother Danny, I, I feel like I'm echoing up here real bad. I got bad ADD, brother. That's going to bug me all night. Before I really get going into this message, I just want to ask you guys a question. And yeah, I'm the kids' pastor, and I do a lot of interactive sermons over there with the kids and everything. So tonight, we're going to be interactive just for a few seconds. All my kids' leaders are going, oh, dear God, tell us he's not going to do a game in here. And I promise we're not doing a game, not doing anything bad. I just need some interaction from you guys, okay? I'm going to ask you guys a question. I really do want to hear a response to what I'm getting ready to ask you. So just blurt it out when I tell you to, okay? But I want to ask you this question. When I ask you this question, when I say, what or whom is God to you? Now, let me explain that. I explained that to the kids this morning. Let me use, for example, like Pastor Randy and me. Who is Pastor Randy to me? Well, he is my boss. He's a really, really, really awesome boss. A really good boss. A favorable boss. Can I get tomorrow off? Couldn't blame my brother for trying. But more than that, he is my friend. That's who he is to me. So real quickly, just blurt it out. I'm going to try and hear everybody's, you know, the 100 plus responses we have in here tonight. When I say it, who is God to you, go. Keep going, keep going. We got a lot of different responses. I can hear some of you going like this. You're saying, I can hear Brother Todd's voice. And I can see some of you going, I hope he's more than that to you. Come on, say something. Say it again. What is he to you? All right. There you go. We had some interesting and powerful words that were just said here about whom God is to you. And I want you to remember that question as we go along into the sermon tonight. I'm going to be speaking out of the book of Daniel chapter 14. I'm sorry, Daniel chapter 4, verses 14 through 15. And I want you to remember what you just said about who God is to you. I want you to remember that. The scripture reads this, he cried aloud and said thus, crop down the tree and cut off its branches, strip off its leaves and scatter its fruit. Let the beasts get out from under it and the birds from its branches. Nevertheless, leave the stump and roots in the earth 
and bound it with a band of iron and bronze. And I want to stop right there. I want to take the next few minutes. And the scripture in reference that we're talking about here is about King Nebuchadnezzar and what's happening to him. He has gone through an interesting time when God has given this vision. And here's Daniel, and Daniel's trying to uh, interpret everything that he's seeing. And he's had this uh, vision, prophecy about a beautiful tree. And this tree in the vision was massive, beautiful, fruitful. It's described perfectly in verses 10 through 12 when it said, These are the visions I saw while laying in bed. I looked, and there before me stood a tree in the middle of the land. Its height was enormous. The tree grew large and strong, and its top touched the sky. It was visible to the ends of the earth. Its leaves were beautiful, its fruit abundant, and on it was food for all. Under it, the wild animals found shelter, and the birds lived in its branches. From every creature was fed. You see, there came a time when this king was lifted up in pride, and God said, cut down the tree, and that's where we pick up in the story. This was a prophecy over King Nebuchadnezzar's life that you're going to go through a season where God is going to bless you in enormous ways, ways you can't even believe. But there's going to come a time or a season when this tree is going to be cut down. And I want everyone in here tonight, if you're watching at home, I want you to notice what it said. God says, I won't leave you without something. And what is left here in this story is the stump. It's important and you need to remember this. The stump is a reminder of what the king used to be. The Bible says you will get down to the stump, tie it off because there will come a day when I will visit that stump and I will cause life to come back, says the Lord. And for the next few moments this evening, I want to talk about this thought and I want you to stay with me here. I want to talk about the fact that our God is not only Lord of what you've got because everything you have, he gave to you. He's Lord of what you got, but equally important, he's Lord of what you've lost. And I want to say strongly and boldly to everyone this evening that God is sovereign. He is in control. And if you have lost anything, listen, I know that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But God is Lord not only of what you have by his hand, but he's also Lord of what you've lost. And then finally, and most important, and what I want to share about this evening is this. He's not just the God of what you have and of what you've lost. But this evening, I'm saying to everyone, and I'm saying this to myself, he is the God of what is still there. He is the God of what is still there. Because if he has left you with something, listen, God will never take something from you without leaving you something as a reminder. God will never allow the enemy to take from you without leaving you something. That's why the tree was chopped down, but notice that God left the stump. God says, I'm the Lord of what you've lost, and I'm the Lord of what is still there. If God allows you to lose something, you can rest assured he will leave you something in his place. And you and I need to both understand he's Lord of what you've lost, but he's Lord of what is still there. He said, nevertheless, leave the stump. Leave the stump because I'm going to cause something. I'm going to cause things to come out of, of what's still there that will produce what you need for my purpose in your future. If you will, save the stump is heaven, is heaven saying, leave something to hell. Save the stump is heaven saying to hell, you can take everything from them because God will always bless his people, his children, not only by what they have lost, but by why they have, they have left. 
He is saying to hell in these verses, leave the stump alone. Do not touch it. You can only take so much. And I'm saying to everyone in here tonight that if God lets you lose something, this is important here. If God lets you lose something, it's his vote. You didn't need it to fulfill his purpose in your life. If life or sickness or death or anything else takes from you and your family, God will always use what is still there while you're lamenting, while you're sorrow, while you're grieving over what you lost. God is saying, I'm telling you that I'm going to use what is still there in my purpose for your life, for you and your family and in your future. If you will hold on to your faith, what I have spoken over your life will come to pass. Just like I planned, says the Lord. I am the Lord of what is still there. I know something is there. I had something. I lost something. But always God will use what is still there. Noah understood that if God needed the wicked society for his plan to be accomplished, he wouldn't have wiped them all out. But his miracle was not in all of these people vanishing from the face of the earth. The miracle was the nine left in the ark because God is Lord over what is still there. Jesus says the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Any kind he comes into your life, God is about to use what is still there. Anytime there is a window open and the enemy has come and stolen from your life and you are standing there confused and you're asking what is happening, how did this, how did this come about, why is this happening to me, it's God saying to you, I'm getting ready to do something, I'm getting ready to use what's left. You can't lose anything or anybody that God feels he, that he needs to use to fulfill his purpose and calling on your future. So if they have been lost, it is God letting you know, I am Lord over what's still here, and I will bless you sovereignly and mightily with what's still here. God is just saying to all of us, trust me, believe me, trust my promises because they are good. We need to stop mourning, stop lamenting, like I said earlier, over what we've lost. God is going to use what is still there. Satan, the Bible says, if, if you will, Satan received a, a moment of permission to attack Job. And I want you guys to follow, on, follow me with this for just a few minutes because it's very important you understand. It gives us insight into God, who, who God is, who is Lord over who is still there. Satan said to God, the only reason that Job serves you, the only reason he serves you is because you have blessed him so much. And God had a response of, okay, I have a wall around him, obviously. And, and, and Satan's like, you think? I can't do nothing to him. And he only worships you because of that. So God said, okay, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to take down wall number one. But I'm going to put this wall up. You can take his stuff, but you can't touch his body. Because God is always going to leave you something. The enemy attacks takes all of Job's cattle, his sheep, all of his wealth, his business, wipes him almost totally out. But yet here is Job who still stands and proclaims in Job 121, the Lord gives and the Lord takes. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Satan comes back in the next chapter and his response was, well, if you let me attack his body and let me make him sick, I promise you he's going to curse you to your face. God says, okay, we got this second wall here. But, church, I don't know about you, but I love it in my Bible when I read that word, but. 
Because that word but can change a whole lot of things real fast. And I love it when God says but, this other wall is going to come up. You can only go this far. So you can touch his body, but you cannot take his breath. So anytime one wall goes down, God will put up another wall to protect something so you always have what is still there. Every time the devil wants to destroy you, your God leaves a wall or a hedge of protection about you. I want to say this, and I want you all to get this real quick. You may be sad about what you've lost. You may be sad about what you don't have. But what is still there, that is what frustrates the devil's plans. Let me say that one more time. What you still have, what the devil could not take from you, what he could not steal from you, that is what is making him upset, uh, confused, going, why aren't they, why do they still keep worshiping him? I've taken their health. I've taken their finances. I've taken their relatives. Yet they still praise him. Are they crazy? You're frustrating the devil when the praise is still there. When you're taking what you have left and saying, God, I'm confused. I'm upset even about what I'm going through, but nevertheless, I'm going to praise your name. Church, do you have anything left? Do you have any praise left in that body? Do you have any faith left? Do you have any joy left? Are there any promises left? Are there any dreams left? Is there any hope left? It's what is still there. This stump is to remind you what is still there. So I ask you, what is still there for you? I want you to listen to this right here. The loss was painful. But. I want everybody in this room to say that word. But. It's okay. You can say that word. Y'all are a little nervous. Say the word. But. B-U-T. Okay? Say but. Say it like you mean it. Say it like God gave you a promise. Say it like God gave you a destiny. Say it like God's got something for you and your children and your grandchildren and your children after that. The loss was painful, but what is still there is powerful. You may be over here going, this is all I've got left. This is all I have. This is all that what I got. But you are still standing. You are still here. The devil couldn't take you out because God says, I'm not done yet. If you've gone through hell and back, that means God's got a lot of confidence in you. What did Job have left? After he lost all of his resources, his health, his friends had turned on him, his wife's turned on him. What did he have left? All he had left was his faith and confidence in heaven. And I love in Job 13, 15 where it says, though he slay me, yet I will hope in him. Another way you might be able to put this, this is just Mike's idea, Mike's, Mike's mindset here. Another interpretation might say, heaven can't even destroy my confidence in what I know and what I believe. Has anyone ever in here tonight ever felt like someone was against you? Okay, let me ask you another question. Have you ever felt like heaven was trying to do anything and everything to mess up your theology and what you believed about God? Anyone ever been there? That's where Job's at right now. But Job said, though he slay me, yet I will trust in him. In other words, not even heaven can shake my confidence. It might at times in my head appear like God is trying to take me out and he isn't for me, but yet it will not shake my confidence in him. 
He is too good to forsake me. He is too faithful to leave me. He is too precious to abandon me. And when it's all said and done, my God is still there. And God said, Job, out of what is still there, your confidence and your faith, you've lost it all. But out of what is still there, out of what you have left, it's going to produce double of what you've lost. God is too good. He's too good to forsake us, too good to abandon us. He paid too high a price for us. Maybe in others' eyes, you don't seem like you're priceless, but in God's eyes, you are. He didn't send his son, Jesus Christ, to a cross for something that wasn't priceless. He gave up everything. The Lord says you are priceless to him. God said, Gideon, I'm going to use you to deliver my people from the Midianites. You have 32,000 soldiers against an army of 350,000. And God says, you know what? It's too big. So I'll tell you what. Out of all your 32,000 soldiers that are scared and afraid of what is ahead of them, what's in front of them, tell them I want them to go home if they're scared. So what happens? 22,000 go home immediately. We're down to 10,000. God says, nope, still too many here. Now 9,700 go through another test and end up leaving. And I want you guys just to, I love these four words right here. Judges 7, 7. By these that remain. By these that remain, I shall deliver them into your hand. What, is it, what are you trying to say there, Pastor Mike? What you have left, it may not seem like a lot to you. It may seem like you're beat down. You're discouraged. What am I going to do? God says, I got something. I got a plan. Don't you give up on me. I'm not giving up on you. Why did he keep trying to reduce them? Because God is not just the God of what you have or what you lost, but he is also the God of what is there. Samson, he lost his anointing, lost his reputation, lost his influence. He lost his position, power. He lost everything. He lost his hair. Folks, he lost it all. He lost his freedom, his vision. But God said the miracle is not in what you have lost. The miracle is in what you still have and what is still here. And the Bible says his hair began to grow again. And I had this thought. You want to know where every miracle in your life has got to begin at? Right here. Restoration begins up here. Restoration begins in my head when you fill it with the promises of God. And you start saying Bible verses that are full of life and power over you and your situations you're going through. And then you start saying things like, God, you are still the God of what is there. I refuse to quit. I refuse to give up this fight. I refuse to lay down and have a pity party. I believe in you, God, and I believe in what I still have and what you have for me. God, you're going to do a miracle with it. And I stand ready to be a part of it. Church, he is the Lord over what is still there in your lives and in your situation. No matter how dark, how depressing, how bad it may seem, he is still there. In Exodus chapter 9, 8, it says, Then the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Take handfuls of ashes from this furnace and have Moses toss it into the air in the presence of whom is before him. God told Moses, take yourself a handful of ashes from a furnace and throw it up towards heaven. Ashes are what you have left when you've been through the fire. Ashes are what you have left when you've been through the trial and everything has been burned up and all you have left, and God says, give me what is still there. 
And when Moses took those ashes and he threw them up, the Bible says it turned, and when the ashes came down, it afflicted the Egyptians with boils all over their bodies. And God is saying, when you come into my house to worship, into a place to worship and praise me, take those rubbles, take those ashes that are in your life that you don't think you can do anything with, throw them to me, let me have them, I'll take care of it. And what is happening is now, when you throw those up to God and let him have control over it, God is taking the enemy out and saying, no, this is the wall, this is a reminder, you can't touch this. With everything you've gone through, With every failure, though, it seems, with every trial you and your family have gone through, God says, bring them to me. God wants to be the God of what is still there in your life. And I wonder how many near misses all of us have had, myself included. We've had times we will retreat and give up too soon when we need to hold on to what is still there. I know several friends and families of many of us that could say, I don't have a lot left, but... What I've got left, that's what God's going to do a miracle in. I want you to understand that that is what happened to David when he lost his family. He lost his house. He had nothing left. And the Bible says that David prayed and said, I will go after the enemy. And God says to him, go. He doesn't know where to go. He has no clue to this location of where his enemy's at. And the Bible says he came upon a man in 1 Samuel. And the man says to David, I am a young man from Egypt. And I am the servant of the Amalekite who raided the city, and I felt sick, and my master left me behind. This young man says, I'm all that's left. I'm all you have left, David. You've lost everything, and all you have left is this young man. David looks at him and says, you know, do you know where they're at? And the young man says, you know what? Yes, I do. And I would love to take you to them, because they left me behind. So David went and he wiped them out. But the miracle happened in that story of what was left. Sometimes we overlook what is left because we think it's it's insignificant. It can't amount to anything. What we see and God see are two different things. And anything small in God's hands can amount to something huge. We've just got to let him have control over it. God wants to do something so amazing in every one of our lives. But the key is, are we going to let him have control? When it seems like the enemy is about to overwhelm the situation in your life, God is always there, and he will always raise that wall to protect you and your family. We just need to be careful not to overlook what God's trying to do. The woman with the issue of blood in the book of Mark spent everything she had. She used it all, her family, her her, her health, her happiness, her wealth. She lost it all, but she took what she had left in Mark 5, 28, and she said, If only I touch the hem of his garment, I will be whole. The widow woman in 2 Kings, the prophet said to her, What do you have left in your house? The money people, the creditors had come. My sons are being taken into slavery. And the woman said, I don't have anything left. Nothing but this pot of oil. Let me say, if all you have left, if all you have left and everything else you've lost in this world, if all you have left and that's all you talk about is what you've lost. The prophetic, of God, prophetic gift of God will not work. But church, if you will take what is still there and what is still there and let God have it, let him cover it, give him the covering, let God be the covering, then I'm telling you what is there will be all you need to produce all that you will need for your future. You need to ask yourself, what is still there? What's still here inside of me? What's still here in the battle of my mind? 
Is it enough? God says it is. Have you got anything left? God says you do. Whatever it is, God is saying, give it to me. Give me what you have left. You might say, Pastor Mike, I've been through a bad breakup. I've been through a divorce. I've been abused. I've been an addict. I've been through a trial. I've been through grief. I've been through losing a family member or someone close to me. But what is still there, God is saying to each and every one of us in here tonight, I am the God of what is here. I'm the God of what is still there. I'm the God of what is here. Are we ready to give it to him? You and every one of us, everybody in here, myself included, everyone is we've made mistakes in our lives. And we all wish we could look, we, we all look back and say, man, I wish I'd have made a better choice. I've just messed up so bad. And you keep saying, I can't get over my past choices and my past mistakes. But God is still saying, what do you have left? While you're lamenting over everything that went wrong, God's over here saying, I know it went wrong, but I want to focus on what's in front of you. In Ezekiel chapter 37, the prophet was asked by God as he stood in the valley of dry bones where the bones were very dry and very dead. It says, can these bones live? And I love the response given by the prophet. And maybe this is just me, but I'm just going to, I got the mic, so it's gonna, we're going to go with what I think here. I love it when it, it kind of gives this really biblical answer. But I kind of think, you know, I'm a, I'm a kid's pastor, so I think this is how it comes across. The biblical answer is like, oh, Lord, you know. I think it's kind of like some of us that got these, you know, pre-teenagers when you're like, did you do what I told you to? Yeah. It's like, yeah, of course, God, you're going to do it. Yeah, whatever. Okay, whatever, you know. In other words, he was saying, you know what? I'm not sure. I'm not sure I have the faith that is needed. I don't, I don't know if I have the passion. I'm not even sure, but Lord, you know. How many of us ever caught ourselves just throwing our frustrations at God saying, I don't even know anymore. I'm not sure about this relationship anymore. I'm not sure about these kids anymore. I'm not sure about this marriage anymore. I'm not sure about what I'm going through anymore. God, I'm not sure if, if any of this can come back. I'm not sure there is anything left. I'm not sure anything can come out of this again. How many of us have said these things? How many of us have shaken our fist towards heaven and be like, are you kidding me? What else are you going to throw at me? We keep doing all you ask and then you find yourself like this prophet and God is asking you something and we give a response like, you know, why are you asking me? But God comes back in this story and says, prophesy to them and say, live. Take a lick, listen, take a second and listen to what he does. God says, prophesy. And how many times do we say to God, God, I've already tried that, God. God, I've done all this. Guys, I'm telling you, when you've done all that you can, the last thing you can do is stand in the presence of God and obey whatever he says. And with what is still there, watch what he can do. You might say, Pastor Mike, what do I have left? I don't see anything left. When God is trying to speak life into your situation, into your family, into your needing miracle, what do you do? Two words, obey him. Even when you might not feel it, even when you fully don't understand it, here is the prophet, and God says to prophesy over these dead and dry bones. So in Ezekiel 37, 7, it says this, so I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a noise and suddenly a rattling, and bones came together. 
He prophesied as he was, as, as it was commanded. In other words, when God spoke, he obeyed. Church, if you will speak the word of God into your situation, over your family, over your children, no matter what is in front of you, even if your faith isn't strong like it used to be, even if you don't have that Sunday morning passion about it, even if all you have left is obeying the word of God, we say, I'm not feeling this. I don't have the chill bumps. I, it, it felt differently last time. I don't have that guest speaker you know, saying a special word over me. That's, that's when God will move on me. If you want a special word on your life, open the book of the Bible. There's over 780,000 words in there. I promise you there's something in there for you. I'm going to obey God regardless of how I feel. If Pastor John and his team would come, I just feel like adding this in right here because of what I read right there. I'm going to obey God regardless of how I feel. I shared this with Pastor Zach this past week. I was talking about the lock-in, and we had just an awesome move of God right here in this altar area. We had an old-fashioned prayer line with our kids. And as those kids responded to that altar call, God spoke into my life in ways I haven't felt in a long, long time. Because I beat myself up as, as your all's kids pastor. What can I do better? What, what can I do to reach kids? I'm missing out. I'm, I'm losing kids. What am I doing wrong? I beat myself up all the time over this. I'm not saying that for a pity party. I'm being honest for a second. And God spoke into my life and he said these following words. You have 128 kids here. Focus on what's in front of you. I'll take care of the rest. Obey what I've called you to do. And church, I say that to you tonight. We have to obey I see what's in front of us, and you know, you, you watch what's on the news, you see what's going on in this world, and it's depressing. It's aggravating. But we got to keep our focus upward and keep it on heaven. If we keep everything focused on what's going on in this world, my Lord, we're all going to be depressed. So, can I show you a little quick way to what, something we probably all need to do every now and then? I found this cool new feature on my phone. Can I show it to you guys real quick? You guys with me? Let's turn it off. And open this. I hope what's in my heart tonight, I hope and pray that I've been able to make sense of what I feel God's put in my heart. Church, God is not only the God of what you have, not just the God of what you've lost. Let me say this. Quit giving the enemy credit for what you've lost. Quit speaking that into existence. He is the God of what is still there. And if God has taken something out of your life, it's his vote that you didn't need to fulfill his purpose in your life and in your future. As we get ready to close, I want to tell you this word, and I want everyone, whether you like it or not, I want you to receive it and have joy about it. Job chapter 8, verse 7. Though the beginnings were small, yet the latter will end with great increase. Let me say that in another way. Let me give you another version of it. Though your beginnings were small, your latter days will be very great. Here's another translation. Then even in your beginnings were modest, but yet your final days will be full of prosperity. Here's the last one. Though your beginnings were insignificant, yet your end will increase greatly. Why do you say all those verses, Pastor Mike? 
Because check out every last one of them. They end the same. No matter what, what is still there, I can do something with. Because he's the God of what's still there. What I'd like to do first is this. I want everybody in here, just for a moment, I want you to close your eyes. And I want each of us, myself included, to take a moment and examine where we are with our relationship with Jesus Christ. Every one of us. And my question is this. Who believes he's the God of what is still there? Remember, we keep talking and worrying about everything we lost and God is still over here saying what is still there. And maybe tonight you and I just need a reminder, God is still on the throne. He hasn't left you. I know there's times we feel alone, but I'm telling you, he is the God of what is still there. And we need to keep putting bad, negative things into the battlefield of our minds where it all starts and speak from the book of the Bible. Your latter will be greater than your former. What I want everyone to do right now, right where you're at, for the next 10 to 15 seconds, is going to be key in how we go forward. If you will, I want you right now to raise your hands, open your mouth, and begin to get a praise in your spirit, in your mouth, in your voice, and begin to praise God for the miracle of what is still there. He's not done yet. Start speaking over life, over each and every situation that you're facing. My kids aren't listening to me anymore. My marriage is on the rocks. My businesses are falling apart. I'm losing everything. God's still there. Let me say this to you. You don't know what that child is capable of, but there's something there. You don't know what about that little adventure of business is going to happen. There's something still there. You don't know that that dream or that faith that prays and refuses to die out or that vision, there's something still there. Trust Him. Believe Him. Refuse to allow depression, worry, and frustration into your life. Instead, begin to fill those battles in your life with God of what is still there, with praise and thankfulness and joy that can only come from God Almighty. If you're in here tonight, and you say, I am struggling, I'm hurting, and I need somebody to pray with me. Every eye closed, every head bowed, just for a few minutes, please. Just for a few more minutes, please. I'm struggling, man. I'm going through some things. Our family, we're, we're, we're hurting right now. If that's you, I wanna ask right now that you start just coming forward, and we're gonna meet you here, and we're gonna pray with you. I just need a reminder that God's still here with me, Mike. I need somebody just to pray with me. This is not an opportunity to come up here and have a pity party. As you come forward, it's a symbolic act of saying, you know what? I'm laying down everything, and what I still have left, God is going to do something with. Could I get some people to help me pray with those that are coming? For everyone else, this is what I'd like to do. As the worship team gets ready to sing, if you want to find a spot where you're at, if you want to come to this altar, the altar area is open. But can we spend the next few minutes worshiping and thanking God that he's a God of what is still there, that he's not done yet. There's still a plan. The altar is open. Come this way, please.